0: listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. You can enjoy more messages like this and more with the free Courage Matters app, available in your app store. To invite Michael to speak to your group, visit couragematters.com and click on the Your Story tab. Hold on to your seat and open your heart as Mike teaches us from God's Word. We're in the middle of a series. We're in message number three in our vision for life series. This is a series where we're talking about God's vision for your life and for your family and for the church. We're going to talk about the mission for every Christ follower. Every Christ follower has the same mission given to them by God. Every Christ following family, the same mission that God has given. Every church that seeks to exalt the name of Jesus has the same mission. They're not different missions. Different churches do not have different missions, at least biblically speaking. And we're also going to be talking about the five key values that every Christ follower, every Christian family, every church should be using based on the Word of God. That's the way that we implement the mission and the vision that God has given us. Now, we've already spent two times together talking about the vision that God has for your family, the vision that God has for your individual life, the vision that God has for every single church. So since we've spent two times talking about that, you might be thinking, well, let's move on to the mission. I'm ready to do something for Jesus. Not so fast. Not so fast. We are human beings. We are not human doings. We're human beings, not human doings. All throughout the Bible, God presents His vision for your life. His vision for every family that is following Him. His vision for every church that seeks to give Him great glory. And so what I want to do today is I want to take another deeper look at God's vision for your life. God's vision for your family. God's vision for every single church. And it's found in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 23. Turn with me in our Father's Word. Matthew chapter 23 beginning in verse 37. There's a parallel passage in Luke chapter 13 beginning in verse 34. It's said almost verbatim, in fact verbatim, Luke presents the same thing that we're looking at here in, Mark's, in Matthew's Gospel. And so we know that when the Bible says something once, it's enough. When God says something once, it's sufficient. When God says something twice, we want to especially pay attention. Because he's trying to help us understand something. The context here is that Jesus is going up to Jerusalem. He's preparing for the capstone of his earthly ministry, the crucifixion. And on his way there, he stops. He hits pause. And he stops, and these words come out of his mouth in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Chapter 24, verse one. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And then Jesus gives his famous teaching about end times. Jesus is alluding to the destruction of the temple just a few decades later in 70 AD when not one stone of the temple was left on top of each other. The whole thing was decimated as the judgment of God because the Jewish people, the leaders of the nation of Israel, had rejected Jesus as their Savior, Jesus as their Messiah. See, there's always a price to pay when Jesus is rejected. There's always some type of a cost that somebody pays when the wooing and the pursuing of God is shunned. And this was true in the nation of Israel, and it's also true in your life and mine. There's always a price that we pay, whether we realize it or not, when we do not heed the wooing and the pursuing of God. Look with me again at verse 37. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus, being very emotional here, pouring his heart out. You get a glimpse of the very heartbeat of God, the very vision of God for your life, for your family, for the church same as it was for Jerusalem, for the Jewish people, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. In Psalm 91, if you were a Jewish person, and you heard Jesus say these things, Psalm 91 would be one that you are very familiar with, a famous passage of Scripture. That again, Jesus is using certain terminology that the Jewish people would have had a familiarity with. They would have been aware of this imagery that Jesus is using. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, stone those sent to you. How often... Would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood? But you were not willing. Where is Jesus grabbing this imagery? Well, if you look with me at Psalm 91, beginning in verse 1, it says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions or with his feathers. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, stone those sent to you by Almighty God. How often... What I have gathered you is a hen gathers her brood, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. Why? Because of their rejection, the Jewish people's rejection. The imagery that Jesus is presenting for his people is one of a mother hen sitting on the brood, the chickadees. You know, this instinctive thing is inside of a mother hen. From the moment she lays her eggs, I know that because I grew up on a little farmette, not very far from here, and we raised our own chickens. I know that because I can still to this day smell the stench of the chicken manure because it was my job to clean out the chicken coop. And I often did what you would probably do or at least be tempted to do if you lived on a farmette and you had chickens, you would postpone Cleaning out that chicken coop because of the stench of that ammonia that would come up. And I would regret the day that I put it off even once when it was time to put on the boots and plug the nose. But, you know, there would be chickens in their little stalls that we had where they would lay their eggs and they wouldn't go anywhere even when I was ready to clean out that chicken coop. They would stay there because they were sitting on eggs. that They weren't fertile eggs, but the chicken doesn't know that. <laughs> and the mother hen would sit on top of that group of eggs, and she would protect it. I know that because it was also my job, and I had two brothers. It was our job to go and try to get those eggs from the mother hen who thought that they were going to hatch. And what we would do is we would go into that chicken coop, We would go over to a stall where one of these chickens uh, was protecting the eggs and as we got closer, that mother hen would pick herself up and make herself, try to make herself appear to be twice the size she was, as if to say, don't you even think about taking one of these eggs. Of course, we had already decided it, so we would put our hand closer and closer until that mother hen would pick up that wing and bang! smack your hand. Sometimes it would hurt if she hit you just right, and you could feel the bone in that chicken wing that later on we would taste, and it would be very tasty. <laughs> that mother hen will do everything within her power to protect the eggs. And once those eggs hatch, if the eggs were fertile and they, they cracked open, once they had the little chickadees running around that mother hen would do everything within her power to make sure nobody touched the eggs. Nobody touched the chicks. You'd have hell to pay if you get anywhere near a mother hen taking care of her brood. And many of you know that if you've raised chickens or if you raise them now. You don't tread lightly when you go to take an egg away from a chicken that is sitting on those eggs. You don't tread lightly when you go to try to pick up a little chickadee and the mother hen is around. This is the imagery that Jesus is giving to Jerusalem, and it's the imagery that Jesus is giving to every one of his followers. He wants to protect you. He wants to cover you with his pinions, as Psalm 91 says, his feathers. And God knows how to do that, my friends. He knows how to protect you. He knows how to cover you. He knows how to shelter you. In fact, the imagery in Psalm 91 seems to be failing, humanly speaking, because God is giving to us a variety of words, a variety of word pictures to help us understand the protective hand of God for those who love him and those whom he loves. Look with me at Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Notice this is conditional. Notice that this is conditional. Notice that this is conditional. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. The Most High, the phrase used in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament pertaining to God, to not come right out and use his name as a way of honoring him and revering him respectfully. So he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, King James says, the secret place of the Most High, that place where God himself dwells, where God is, that no mere mortal can see with the naked eye, but we're all as mere mortals, beckoned and invited, wooed and pursued by God to abide in the shadow of the Almighty." You know, even the ability to rest in the shadow of the Almighty is better than being out in the sun of the world, the harsh environment of this world. Even the shadow of the Almighty is protective for those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. You know, that's God's vision for your life. It's God's vision for your family. It's God's vision for every single church that we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, that we abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And some of us are experiencing difficulty in our lives and hardship in our lives because we are not dwelling. We're not intentionally, purposely taking God at his word when he says, come. Let me cover you as a hen uses her feathers to protect her brood. Many of us have walked out from the shadow of the Almighty, and then we're exposed to all the elements that this world has to offer. But there's a promise here from Almighty God, and it is for you, it's for me, it's for every single individual, it's for every single family, it's for every single church. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, the trap. From the deadly pestilence he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You see what I mean when I say that words don't seem to do justice to the complete protective nature of your God, my God, the God of everyone who makes the secret place of the Most High, he who dwells with the Lord, pursues him, draws near to him, has a protective promise that's just not there if we don't take God up at his word. What I think is fascinating in Luke chapter 13, and you should find it fascinating as well in Matthew chapter 23, when we connect that to Psalm 91, it's all about God protecting his people. So who in the world does Jesus think he is to provide a word picture, an imagery of himself protecting his people like a hen protecting her brood, unless he really has the ability to do that. Unless Jesus is helping us understand his identity as the Most High. The one who provides the shadow of the Almighty. People say Jesus never made it clear that he was God in the flesh. Here it is again. Jesus either being out of his mind by putting himself on equal footing with the Almighty, with the Most High, we've read it for ourselves in Psalm 91, or Jesus again being purposeful, being deliberate, being intentional, helping you and me, helping us connect the dots that his identity is what the Bible says, that he is the living and true God. He's not only given to the whole world, and especially of those who believe, he's also God in the flesh. Jesus would have been committing again a blasphemous approach here by using a word picture imagery that the Jewish people would have held very dear. Psalm 91 is one of their psalms presenting theology about what God does for his people. Those who are his people who respond to his wooing and his pursuing, can have protection and covering. He's like a mother hen protecting his brood. Don't you dare get between the eggs, the chicks, and that mother hen. And so Jesus is providing imagery for you and me, for everybody, for every family, for every church that God protects. See, what I'm trying to do here, listen to what I'm saying here. I believe that one of the things that God is trying to do for us as a nation and as a church and in your family and for you individually is to wake us up to the transition that's now underway globally. I could stick my head in a bucket of sand, but first of all, we know it wouldn't be big enough because you can't buy a bucket that big for my head. sticking my head in the sand will not change what's happening globally will not change what's happening nationally and what i'm trying to do with all that's in me as your pastor who loves you as a brother in christ who cares about you not just here but also if you're listening by podcast and trying to help you prepare yourself for what indeed might be coming on this nation you say well that's a downer I'm sure that Jeremiah the prophet was considered as a weeping prophet, a downer. I'm sure that Isaiah. In fact, when you read this Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to it, the message of the prophets was to prepare the people and to warn the people and to call the people to repentance. And if the people repented, they experienced the blessing of God. And if the people didn't repent, they experienced the punishment and the disciplinary hand of God. In fact, we know that here from this particular passage in Matthew 23 and 24 where Jesus prophesied the destruction of the nation of Israel because they rejected the Messiah. This is a conditional promise that Jesus was talking to the Jewish people about here at Matthew 23. How often I would have gathered you, but you were not willing. Psalm 91, he who dwells and the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Well, what about those who don't? There are things happening in our nation, things happening globally, where it seems to me like the wagons are circling us. Now, I know sometimes that's not popular to talk about that in church, but would you rather hear it now or would you rather hear it later? God's vision for his people is that you let him cover you as only he can. God's vision for your life is that you dwell in the shelter of the Most High. The Most High has invited you, has invited me, has invited your family, has invited this church and every church. Every family of Christ's followers, every individual, the Most High is reminding us of a promise. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. What about those who are called by His name who do not want to respond to the wooing and pursuing of God? Can we expect the same type of protection? Can we expect the same type of covering? See, be careful, be careful that you don't assume that you can do anything you want with your life, anything you want with your family, anything you want with your church And still be abiding with the Lord. There's a whole lot in the scriptures. Salvation is one and done. It's sealed. Jesus saying it is finished. He didn't wink after he said that. Salvation is a done deal. A sealed issue. When a person, when a man, woman, boy or girl gives their life to Jesus Christ. Their salvation is finished. sealed. You cannot lose your salvation. But the joy of the Lord being your strength. Walking in the protective covering of the Lord. Walking in the blessings of God. There are many people who are not walking in the blessing of God they would otherwise have. Many families not experiencing the blessing of God. If you don't believe me, read John chapter 15 about bearing fruit. About if a man abides in me, if a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit. What if a person doesn't abide in Jesus? You won't bear much fruit. There are if-then statements said to God's people in the Word of God. They are conditional statements. Not everybody is bearing fruit the same way. Go out and talk to followers of Jesus Christ, people who are born again, and you'll meet a whole spectrum of people. Some of them are responding to the wooing and the pursuing of the Holy Spirit. They're making the Most High their shelter. They're abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. They're experiencing the protective hand of God, and there are others who are not, and yet they could. This promise is for every one of God's children individually. Promises for every family of God, Christian families who are desiring to honor God, it's for your family and it's for every church. I'm trying to help us understand, it is my obligation before Almighty God to prepare God's people for works of service. It is my obligation before Almighty God that if there seems to be a train wreck on the horizon to warn God's people, that's what the prophets did. They warned God's people of difficulty and hardship that was coming because God's people were not willing, as Jesus said, how often, great frequency. I love what the NIV says, how often I have longed great desire we see the intensity of god the jealousy the godly jealousy that he has with great frequency you are on his mind that's god's vision for your life to be close to him to abide with him to walk with him to let him shelter you to let him comfort you to let him protect you and your family, and the church. It's God's desire, but there are some things that God cannot do for us. The nation of Israel was not willing, and they were judged by God. We have, as followers of Jesus Christ, an unbelievable access to the Most High. To the Most High. Even the shadow of, of the Almighty, even his casting of his shadow is sufficient to protect you from all the harshness that this world throws at us. God wants you to be sick and tired of walking out beyond his shadow. Walking out and doing it in your own power, in your own strength, in your own umbrella he wants you to come back, that's right. get underneath his feathers where there's safety and there's refuge. Individually, that's his vision, that you walk in closeness with him. In your family, that your family walks closely to the most high. And as a church, if a church is not walking closely with the most high, it's time to close up the doors. God's vision for your life, God's vision for your family, God's vision for every single church on this planet is that we be people as God's people who let him do what he does best to protect his people. God's vision for you, for your family, for every single church is that we walk closely with the Lord. We enjoy an intimate, loving, abiding relationship that was made possible through his blood. And oh, how we tend to take that for granted. You have, as a follower of Jesus Christ, unhindered, unlimited access 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, unless there's a leap year, you've even got another one. From the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, you have unhindered access to the Most High. And God loves you so much. He says, come. How often I want to gather you. I want to protect you. I want to provide for you. That's what God promises every single believer. That's his vision to provide for you, to protect you, to shelter you, to cover you. But you've got to make the shelter of the Most High that's there. Your shelter. You don't want to read about God protecting other people only, and He's doing that all around the world. You want to experience the protective, loving hand of God in your life. Do you not? It's there for the taking. It's God's vision for your life. Look with me at Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is on the cross in verse 50. And look what happens here. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. Did you catch that? The curtain of the temple was torn in two. The place that separated the holy place from the most holy place. Torn in two. That place where there was supposed to be a dividing wall where only the high priest could enter into that place. And the statement that's being made here when that veil actually tore from top to bottom is that now mere mortals, you and me, people, sin-stained as we are, have access to the Most High through the blood of Jesus Christ. That we can come to Him and hide under His protective hand and enjoy His protective covering and enjoy sweet fellowship that otherwise, before the death of Jesus Christ, was not possible. See, Psalm 91 is a foreshadowing of that day when it would be completely accomplished when Jesus would say, it is finished. What was finished? When Jesus said, it is finished, what was finished? Everything that needed to happen to remove the hostility between God and us. Everything was removed. When Jesus said, it is finished. That was finished. That's why it's ridiculous for us to think that we can give alms or lead morally upright lives that are going to add to that. When Jesus said, it's finished, it's finished. Who am I, who are you? Who is anybody in the leader of any church? Just because we have more of us sitting together and congregating and trying to make decisions doesn't mean that we begin to outnumber God. (coughs) God. (laughs) It's finished. The veil of the temple was torn in two giving every single Christ follower access to the Most High through the blood of Jesus Christ. This is spoken of again and again in Scripture, and it's our hope. It's our heart cry. It's our passion. It's our desire. And oh, how we need to access the Lord through the means that He's provided. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 2. In Ephesians chapter 2, in the Word of God, Beginning in verse 14. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one. Talking about the Jew and the Gentile, the church. Jewish believers in Jesus, non-Jewish believers in Jesus. That's called the church together. He's made us one. He himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of of hostility. This, is, this idea of peace is that, see, before you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, before you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's hostility between you and God. It was your sin and mind that led Jesus to the cross. It was your sin and mind that Jesus took with him on the cross. There was hostility because you were an enemy. There was hostility because I was an enemy between God And every human being. Sin created hostility between God and people. And so this five-letter word that's used here in Ephesians, in chapter 2, verse 14, peace, is a significant word because before there was judgment, before there was condemnation. But you needed, I needed, we need to hear God say that he's no longer ticked off at us. And he's not. So would you please stop living the rest of your life if you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Listen. This is worth the price of admission right here. Stop living the rest of your life as if God is ticked off at you. He's not. The punishment that brought you peace was on his shoulders. Many of us go through living the rest of our lives trying to please our parents who were not pleasable. I know because I had to recover from that. And as I began to read the Bible more and began to understand the peace of God that he's pronounced over me as a child of God, I began to realize that God took all of my sin and all that was unlikable about me and put it on Jesus so that now when he looks at me, he doesn't see hostility, he sees peace. And he does the same thing for you and for every one of his children. So that when we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it's true for you. He himself is our peace. He himself is your peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances You have, as a follower of Jesus Christ, unlimited, unbridled, unhindered access to the Most High God. I suggest you use it. That's right. All right. The Word of God suggests that you take God up on His offer with arms wide open to you and to me. You have the ability to access the Most High God draw near to him, take him up on his doing. It was not possible to enjoy intimacy and closeness with him prior to the work of Jesus Christ and the way that it is now made possible. In your car, you have access to the living and true God, the Most High God. You can remain in his shadow no matter how far you drive in that car, you can dwell in the, the shelter of the Most High, and abide in the shadow of the Almighty, in your car, wherever you go, by a purposeful act of your will, by, by deliberately seeking Him, drawing near to Him, and enjoying Him. You know, some of you are morning people, some of you are night people. I used to be a night person until I realized I could change that. Yeah, I changed it, I did. There's nothing like getting up early in the morning when it's still dark out and opening the Word of God and dwelling in the shelter of the Most High by reading His Word and meditating on it and chewing on it. That enables me to put His Word down and to abide in the shadow of the Almighty after that time, and it'll help you too. Now, I'm not trying to convert you to be a morning person. You can do that same thing at night. One of the best ways to memorize portions of Scripture and individual verses is to read the Bible without any other distraction while you're in bed as the last thing that you're reading. And you will find that your subconscious mind will work on it, the Holy Spirit will have it marinating on you. Think of yourself as a nice meatball in a crock pot <laughs> where God's Word is marinating on you in you through you. And you'll get up in the morning and God's Word will be there for you. Try it for yourself. Read the Word of God, last thing, while you're in bed and see what happens to you. Read that same passage of Scripture. Just chew on it. Don't get all caught up. I got to memorize this. I got to memorize this. You will find that amazingly. And you will come up to me and you will say to me in weeks ahead, you know what? I've been trying that and it works. I'm not lying to you. There's something about spending time in the Word of God, whether it's in the morning, whether it's at night, that's what it means to dwell in the shelter of the Most High, to draw near to Him, to take Him up on His offer that He wants to cover you with His feathers, protect you, be a shield and a buckler, be that protective God that He does so flawlessly for you and for anyone who's a child. And when you do that, you'll be able to abide in the shadow of the Almighty wherever you go, whatever you do. But look with me at the book of Hebrews. You know, we just looked at Ephesians chapter 2, but look with me at the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Maybe you're not convinced. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus. A great high priest Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." Isn't that comforting to know that in every single way that you've been tempted, Jesus has been tempted, but he didn't give in. in. You've been tempted financially. You've been tempted with the words that come out of your mouth. You've been tempted with the thoughts that go into your mind. You've been tempted with the things you do with your hands, the places you go with your feet, the places that you allow your eyes to go. Jesus has been tempted in every single way, yet he is without sin. He can identify with every single thing that you face, every single thing that I face. And that's what makes him the high priest. There's no one higher than Jesus. He was without sin. He intercedes on your behalf to the Father. When you pray to Jesus, you have absolute certainty through that unhindered access that you have, taking God up on His Word, who's wooing you and pursuing you. When you pray to Jesus, you have the assurance that He understands what you're going through. Even though you think you understand it, you don't totally understand it. I don't totally understand it, but Jesus does understand it. He was tempted in every single way. Maybe you have a fear issue, maybe you're afraid of things, things that go Go bump in the night. Things that you think are hiding in closets. Things that you think are behind the shower curtain. Things that you think are underneath in the pantry someplace. Maybe you don't like the lights being off. Maybe turn the lights off right now. Let's see what happens. Maybe you get scared about these types of things. Jesus knows what your fears are even better than your understanding of what those fears are. And he is in control. Jesus has your back. To be covered by that hen over the brood means that Jesus doesn't only have your back. He's got your front. He's got your sides. He's got the top and he's got the bottom. Jesus has you literally covered. But look at what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4 verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of undeserved favor. That's what grace is. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wow! Not just grace, that God gives us good things we don't deserve, but mercy, that God withholds from us the judgment that we do deserve. That's the difference between mercy and grace. God has given us through Jesus Christ, by the will of the Most High, the Almighty, the one whose shadow we get to abide under. He's given us the withholding of the judgment we would otherwise receive mercy. And he's given us goodness and blessing that we otherwise would not receive grace. And the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is helping you and me understand something that we need to get through our thick heads. How many of you are thick heads? The rest of you are liars, but we need to be taught again and again and again and again and again and again. again the Word of God and what it means and how it applies to our lives. And the truth is that in our mere naturalness, we forget that we can have confidence to make the Most High our dwelling place and therefore claim the promise that we can abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Let me read it again, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Listen, that veil in the temple was torn so that you could have unhindered, unbridled, 24-7, 365 days a year, access to the Most High. That's why it was torn. Because God loves you so much. God cares about you so much. He wants fellowship with you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't know how deep our problem was, how significant our separation was. But God knew, and God took the initiative, and God rolled up his sleeves and became flesh and pursued what in our natural thinking we think is unpursuable. Who would die for this? You're worth a great deal to God. So much so that he would tear the veil of the temple in two so that you could have un access to him. So that you could dwell in the shelter of the Most High God and experience the shadow of the Almighty wherever you go. This is God's vision for your life. It's his vision for your family. It's God's vision for the church. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, stone those sent to you, how often would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood, but you were not willing. Are you willing individually to say, as for me, I will take God up on his word. As for me, I will embrace God's vision for my life, which is one of abiding intimacy. I will embrace God's vision for my life that he removed the dividing wall of hostility between me and him. He's not mad at you anymore if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. He's pleased with you now. He did everything that he could have possibly done to woo you and pursue you and to renew you. For your family, are you willing to accept, receive God's vision for your family of abiding intimacy with the Most High God? And as a church, We, too, must embrace, we must face the question head-on, how badly do we want to take God up at his word? And I'll tell you what, even on our best days when we think we really want God's protective covering and we really think we want God's shelter, we don't fully understand how much more God wants to give us his protective covering, wants to abide with us. You know what God's vision is for your life and for mine? that we walk with Him in unhindered, unbridled, unfiltered closeness. He invites every single one of us to that very same thing, individually and in our families and in the church. You've been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. We'd love to hear how this message impacted you. To share your story, visit CourageMatters.com and click on the Your Story tab. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.